This is the True To You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Okay, friend, this is crazy. We are already at episode 43. That's almost 50, which is almost 100, which is almost 300 episodes, which is my big goal for this podcast. If you have been tuning in week in and week out, bless your heart. I love you. Thank you. And for those of you that are binge listening to catch up, welcome to the tribe and welcome to the True To You podcast. My guest today is a pug mama to Audrey. I love Staffies. She loves pugs. That's okay. I won't hold it against her. She's a little woo-woo. She's a former teacher and now a happiness advocate. Her name is Karen Harrison and officially, her official title is NLP coach, timeline therapist, Reiki master and holistic counsellor who supports her clients to release their energetic and mindset blocks and create a life that is connected to purpose and intention. Oh, I love that. As you'll find out in our conversation, we went pretty deep uh, and life wasn't all roses and waking up to Pharrell Williams singing happy every day. She's been on quite the journey over the last few years. We talk all about the transition from full-time teaching to starting her business in a completely different field and her lessons from this process, what she would do differently next time, what skills and strengths she transferred from teaching to what she's doing now. And you'll actually find that a lot of what she did in teaching, she does now, but in a different vehicle. Uh, Being driven by your inner voice. Versus all of these outer external things that you think you should be, think you should have, and the things that look pretty and nice and shiny on the outside. How to create a point of difference in your business by harnessing what you do best. And this is linked in with some of the skills and strengths that she transferred from her teaching industry. And what it's like to start from the beginning again in your career, what that really, really feels like and some tips and advice for people that are a little bit overwhelmed, a little bit scared by that process. You will absolutely love today's episode with Karen. So without further ado, welcome to episode 43 of the True To You podcast. Hold up, sister. Before we get into today's episode, let's take a short break to hear from one of our sponsors. Uh, Hang on a second. I'm sponsoring my own show because I'm a businesswoman too. And well, I've got something you might need. My bet is if you're loving the conversations we have on the True To You podcast, you're either in business or making plans to start your own thing. And what's the one thing stopping you from starting? Paralysis by analysis. Too many freaking ideas, too many passions, all the things. So how would it feel if you could reduce that endless list into the best business idea for you? Well, funny that, because I have a free five-step guide that will help you answer exactly that question. I promise you, if you're overwhelmed by too many choices, the best thing you can do is ask a few simple strategic questions to find the best one that suits your goals and your needs. To get your hands on this free step-by-step guide, head to rubymarsh.com. That is rubymarsh.com and enter your details to get it now. Don't wait any longer. Start creating today. Welcome to the True To You podcast, Karen. It's so lovely to be here with you on oh, this you. Thursday morning we are yeah, recording. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so, so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. It's such a nice way to start the day, isn't it, with a podcast and to connect with someone, especially at a time like this where we're craving 
connection and um, even if it's across a video screen it's still really nice to see someone else so (laughs) thank you for joining me in light of what's been going on I've asked a few of my podcast guests uh, some fun questions to start off with in terms of working from home and uh, how you're changing that up in order to stay energized and fresh and uh, feeling good because I know it can be easy for us to wake up and stay in our pajamas all day and um, drink lots of coffee and (laughs) 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 just kind of uh, get through the day shall we say so tell me three things what is your favorite work from home outfit right now your favorite drink that you go to and it could be throughout the day it could be the end of the day a celebration and if there's any music you've been playing to get you through the day as well okay um favorite outfit would be jeans and a top um some kind of white (laughs) top that's kind of a uniform um i'm a big believer in having a uniform it just takes up a decision and drink uh i would say i'm not a coffee drinker Uh, i love the smell of coffee but it just doesn't love me so i would say tea um but lately i have been reaching for a (laughs) rosé at the end of the day um a little more than usual i think and sorry what was the last one the last one is any favorite music that you either play during the day or to keep your mood elevated or calm you down Um, yeah um I'm probably at very different ends of the spectrum so I love a bit of Justin Bieber yeah amazing (laughs) um, never say never is like my anchor pump up song so I love to um to start with that and then I will when I'm working I generally don't play music or I just put on something like kundalini mantras yeah something just nice in the background uh right there with you girl with the kundalini (laughs) mantras yeah anything that kind of subliminally goes into your brain but you don't have to think too hard (laughs) (laughs) totally good I saw an Instagram story of one of my favorite kundalini artists white sun and they had put up a story of Alicia Keys because she's very much a practitioner of kundalini yoga and she was saying make sure you put this music on and play it throughout the day through your home so that it goes into your um subconscious and I was like well okay if it's good for Alicia Keys then I'm 100% on board (laughs) yeah yeah. it totally works like you'll find yourself at like four o'clock just humming Waheguru and you're like where did that come from (laughs) (laughs) awesome cool um so we're going to start off with talking a little bit about your story and in particular your career story because I know that you have uh been in one previous career for quite a few years and uh, about how many years ago did you transition into your now career and your business? Um, I transitioned around the end of 2016. Okay amazing so three or four years. Yeah uh, but I was still working um in my old job casually. So it's been very, very much like a blend. (laughs) Cool. I love that. I love that. And that's a very uh, realistic way of approaching a career transition, which I think that a lot of the women out there will identify with. I can certainly identify with that uh, having, everyone has different levels of risk, don't they? Mm. When they come to this process and, uh, I guess once you go all in, finally, you want to go all in 100%. So sometimes that can make that process a little bit um, slower until you really hit your sweet spot. So tell us a little bit about your career journey. What were you doing before and then what are you doing now? Okay, so um, before I was a primary school teacher, uh, I was an assistant principal and I did that for... Yeah, from 2003 to 2016-ish um, <laughs> in a full-time you know, capacity. So I'm originally from Newcastle. I moved to Sydney for 10 years when I got my first job. Um, it was amazing because you know the schools in Sydney, Western Sydney are a lot different. Um, bigger schools, more opportunity, lots of um, dynamic professional learning. So I actually moved up my career very quickly while I was yeah. there. Um, I always had a goal 
And I didn't realize at the time how much of a manifester I was back then. Um, but I always had a goal that I wanted to be an assistant principal or an wow. AP by 30. And I remember at 28 um, having that job and going, oh, okay, what do I do next? And, um, and so then I thought, oh, okay, maybe I need to try being at a different school because I started to get that sense of this is great, but is there more? And that was probably around that, yeah, late 20s. Um, so then I got another job as, another, as an assistant principal at another school, thinking that would be the shift that I wanted. And it gave me, I guess, the challenge of starting again and building new relationships. And then that started to wear off after a year. And I was thinking, oh, maybe the change I need is to move home to Newcastle and have a sea change. Um, we always said that we would be in Sydney around 10 years and it was around that time. Mm. So then I saw a job and I was like, oh, this is it. I just had a, like this whole body feeling. That's the job I'm going to get. So um, I applied, I went to interview, got the job. We moved back to Newcastle. It all happened quite quickly. And once again, I was thinking, oh, great. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm just meant to do it somewhere different. Yeah. Um, challenges, but it kind of health stuff really started to appear. Um, and I pushed through cause I am, you know, I'm a self-confessed workaholic. <laughs> and so, um, I just, I don't know. I just kept going and thinking that maybe there's something else. I just can't figure out what it is. So I just dove deeper into my work and I just kind of, um, yeah, I just, I just spent so much time on, on that, that then the cracks really started to show. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, I'm now early 30s, all my friends are having children. Um, I was very adamant from a very young age that I wasn't having children yeah. um, just because I didn't feel it. I just did not yeah. feel it was a part of my journey. Yeah. Um, and so then, of course, though, when you're um, completely stressed, adrenal fatigued and not realizing, um, putting all your effort into work, but then not getting this purpose, pleasure, this joy, there was just mm. this bigger hole that was kind of forming. It was almost like, oh, maybe I should be doing that. And I really needed to take some time off. So I took a year off um, and traveled with my husband. We did um, like Southeast Asia, India, Nepal, um, lots of volunteer projects. Just I needed to have, I guess, my eat, pray, love moment. Yeah, totally. Some soul searching travel. Yeah, and I needed yeah. to, I really needed to have the distance. And I always said that um, two things I would say, I would, I'm going to figure out in this year what I'm going to do. And that's probably a pretty bold statement because can you really figure out what you're going to do in a year? Um, that was a lot of pressure that I put on myself. Another thing that I do. Um, and also that I would come back knowing if I wanted to go back or not, because I would have missed it. And so we came back and um, you know, a whole bunch of different synchronicities um, just happened. And it meant that I, I got my life back when I returned, like I moved back to the same house. And, um, but it meant I had to go back to, to work. And I thought that I was ready. And so I went back to work and um, my boss, who is a dream, she, um, she could see that there was something that had shifted about me. So we kind of repurposed almost a dream position for me. Like, wow. I been given that, you know, the two years before, I would have been like, oh my God, this is amazing. And yet there was still this wrestling and, yeah. I, and I got to the point where I couldn't ignore it anymore because my body was just really shutting down. And so I ended up taking leave um, and I ended up taking leave for most of, so I started my business when I got home in terms of just like women's circles. I had um, done my Reiki training. So I kind of had picked up some things and I just started to share them, but I wasn't really calling it a like business, I guess. Mm. Um, then my health challenges kind of forced me to do that work on myself and then start to share it in little ways. Um, so then when I took leave, I could just really focus on my own healing, but I didn't realize that that would then become something that the happy co is now. Mm. Yeah. So then I got a very strong um, like message in meditation that I had to resign on the 4th of December, 2017. I had to just do it. <laughs> 
And so I did that. Um, and this is where that idea of transition, like I would highly recommend people mm. if you're leaving something safe and secure to have a better transition plan than I did because I didn't. I just had the download um, and had been healing and felt really good but I probably didn't have a lot of the other stuff that you need when you're going to dive fully into a business. So mm. I did that. And then it just meant that 2018, 19 and parts of, um, yeah, 2018, parts of 2019, I had to go back. Um, and it was lucky because I had really great relationships. So, um, you know, I, I got casual work or I got um, like positions yes. that were like, you know, a couple of days a week and it just it just kind of helped me come back to balance. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not really a, it's probably not a perfect tale <laughs> of how to transition from one career into another, but I learned so many lessons along the way. Um, and probably the biggest one was you need to check your ego at the door when you're going to start a business. Um, and I needed to, I had this idea that I've left teaching. I can't go back, but actually it was good that I could kind of dip in and out of that to support my business in its growth. Mm, mm. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of, I hope that answered the question. And A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think there's so much in that. There's so many parallels that I draw with your story and my own story. And uh, I think we, you said a couple of times, you know, um, one thing I wanted to touch on, it was around some of the language that you, you were tapping into around manifesting and visualizing and getting downloads and things. Do you think that uh, you always knew that you had a, a, a gut feeling or do you think it was a whisper that you, because it sounded like you kept uh, falling into the same cycle and it was almost <laughs> like you needed to repeat this cycle a few times yeah. and uh, for things to really sink in that uh oh the diff and also you know a lot of your goals as well were very um external goals do you think that you thought a lot about how those goals made you feel inside uh when you were going after them uh no no yeah. because I would I'm you know hand on heart like I I have grown so much in the last let's say 12, seven years Yeah. Um, that I was not like when I was in Sydney, I was, you know, going out all the time, shopping up a storm. I was buying my happiness. I was, you know, dinner, drinks and all the designer goods. And I still love designer goods. <laughs> but, um, like it was like, I was very much living in the external mm. and, and drawing on my external environment to bring me the happiness that I didn't realize I didn't have um, mm. because on the surface um, and likely all of my friends and, and our family probably thought that we were just living this like high life. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, that's almost that kind of like uh, <laughs> how Instagram shows all of the shininess, um, but you never really know what someone's going through. And I didn't I didn't realize at the time. I just thought these are the things that I love to do and I still love to do them. I'm just far more mindful and conscious now. Mm. Um, and I think that, yeah, you need to, uh, yeah, I, I think I needed to journey the way that I have in order to start to fully understand who I am, why I'm here, what's my purpose so that I can not need the external to validate me because actually I validate myself. Mm. And it was almost like when you arrived at asking yourself those big questions, you were ready for them because had you asked yourself at 21 when you were going for these goals and you had this 10 year plan uh, in motion and someone suddenly said, well, what's really your purpose and what really makes you happy? And you might not have been ready at that time to ask yourself. I know at 21, I was, well, I was still in university because I was studying architecture and it was really about finishing uni, getting a graduate role so that you were finally being paid some real <laughs> money, uh, starting to treat yourself and buy some things like you're saying that uh, made you feel good because you'd been you know, uni days are, are really, um, you're a poor student. Most yeah. <laughs> majority of us really are. Uh, so no wonder you kind of arrive at that twenties to, to early thirties and you're 
you're simply doing what you believe you should be doing because yes. also that's what everyone else is yeah. doing, right? Yeah. 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 So oh, I love that. I love that. And it's so interesting how we, we have really similar stories in terms of uh, having those physical signs as well. And um, do you think now that you've been through that uh, period of your body, I guess, shutting down and your immune system and things, are you more aware on a regular basis how to nurture your energy on, like daily? I mean, you do energy work, but then <laughs> yeah. uh there's also the the nurturing of your body through sleep and exercise and food and all of these other things like you can sit and meditate but then you also have to do all these other things to oh, most definitely. support the nervous system so did that totally change how you lived your life from that point after having gone through that big uh immunity shift and things yeah um oh most definitely I, I can't yeah. deny that my life has completely changed after um after that year uh 27 particularly 2017 was like the really really big healing year um and a lot of it came through as you know I was really fatigued and um you know, I found out that I had this condition called pyrols, which is where your body doesn't manage stress. And so I had, it really, for me, it played out more as anxiety and depression, mm. which then obviously is linked to our physicals because our physical and emotional body are, you know, same mm. energy. Um, and so I had to really take a look at, yes, the things that I was doing for my mind and also for my body. So I had to, you know, do the things like cutting out the gluten and the dairy and um, I needed to do more gentle exercise because if I did anything more high cardio, then it would really knock me back into, mm. you know, days of being exhausted. And then obviously that then really activates that um, victim part of your mind. The ego runs away with itself and then, you know, you just feel like terrible you just feel so in that dark dark place in your mm. mind mm. um so I was lucky that um you know my my husband he when we were still living in Sydney and I was like so stressed and um just trying to get through it he was like we should try this class and we started doing uh, Buddhist meditation mm -hmm. um and so I kind of, and then that kind of led me to seeing a naturopath. And so I did kind of have these beginning things like earlier on um, in that decade to be able to kind of set me up for when the big <laughs> healing had to be done. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a, I guess a smack in the face. I wasn't yeah. like, oh my gosh, where's this come from? I don't know what to do. I already had some systems in place. It was just a matter of going back to them and making them more familiar again and being a lot uh, firmer on myself. Because, yeah. you know, we, we all self-sabotage. Uh, we know what's good for us and yet we don't do it. And so I had to not only do the physical stuff that you talk about, um, but also that mindset work too. Mm, mm. And, and the mindset around what I notice as well being a high achiever and setting fairly large goals and also wanting to stretch my comfort zone a, a lot all the time is that sometimes uh, as a woman, I think men differently because women have cycles as well that we're dealing with on a monthly basis. Our tolerance is uh, we, we really, we can push the, the boundary a lot, can't we? And yes. then all of a sudden it's like, oh gosh, <laughs> I've got to have, uh, several days off now to recover. Uh, so sometimes it's a really fine line when you've always had that mindset of being a high achiever that, uh, you, you know, you know, your tolerance is, is also a fine line as well. So it's very easy to just slip into high achieving mode. And Oh, um, and I still do. Yeah, <laughs> I still do. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I wish that I was one of those people that just had that perfectly balanced, like morning routine and everything like that. But I just, I'm very much a I can be very all or nothing. And so I can really get into things and really like follow them through. And then I can really burn myself out as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So for me, that will always be a lesson for me. Um, but like you say, it always comes back so that it can show you how much you have like grown. 
So yeah. Yeah, and I think that, yeah. You know, sometimes Absolutely. we just have to love those parts of ourselves that <laughs> maybe drive us a little batty. But you know, that's just that's just me, and that's also part of who I am. Mm. It's the thing that um, I get really excited about an idea at like midnight, and you know, the next day I've already bought the the dot com, and <laughs> you know, I think that it's all right to kind of harness that energy and not always think of it in a bad light I guess oh yeah yeah thank you for saying that I really I really appreciate that because yeah that's part of your spark and uh that's part of what's allowed you to be able to create this business is that you have that vision and you're able to take action on it as well so talk to us a little bit about that process of transitioning out of uh, full-time teaching, part-time teaching, and now pretty much full-time in your business. What were some of the first things that you offered as far as services? You talked about women's circles. Mm -hmm. Uh, how did you build this business? Yeah. I'd really love to know that those first steps, was it offering a, a range of things? Was it offering one thing and getting really good at that? Was it building community? Because I know that's something you're also really, uh, interested in and, and creating that support network beyond just yourself. So talk to us a little bit about that process of building your business and your offerings. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I guess the very first thing, and most people do it, you start a Facebook page and an Instagram and you start posting pictures that are kind of just like, oh, this is what I'm doing today. And probably no one's looking at it. And <laughs> it's probably a lot less daunting than when no one's really looking at it because you can start to Uh, share your voice and find your voice. So, you know, I've always been someone who's loved community, connecting um, with other people and I've naturally been a sharer. Um, But then I'm also like naturally a very shy, introverted person. And so I guess that this was my way of just kind of like starting to say that maybe I'd like to start sharing this stuff. Mm. The very first offering was the goddess group. Um, it was at a local surf club. It was like on a Tuesday night and it was $10 and you literally paid cash. <laughs> wow. Okay. And so, um, and this is, yeah, my first, my very, very first goddess group was in December of 2016. And then, um, yeah, I started kind of doing them weekly. Then it went to fortnightly and then I adjusted like throughout, um, the years to, to, to kind of tune into what cycle and timing people wanted, but it was literally, that was my first offering. Um, and I think the first one I did was like eight people and they were all my friends (laughs) and my sister-in-law and maybe my mom came to one. Um, and then over time it just began to very, very organically, um, grow. And so, um, now when I say grow, I don't mean that it grew from eight people to like a hundred people. It always consistently stayed a small number. Um, and there were times in 2017 and 18, uh, when I had been doing it for a while and there was two people coming. Mm. Um, and that's where, you know, how I mentioned that whole check your ego at the door. I had to release that only two people came and it's like, no, two people came and those two people needed to be there. Mm. And Um, and I just, the more I kind of worked on that mindset of whoever needs to be here will be here. That's when it really started to gain that momentum. And then in, I think I'm getting the dates right. It was around 20, mid 2017, maybe late 2017 that I met my beautiful friend, Bryoni, who owns Twine Yoga Studio. And, uh, yeah, she had her, a little, um, treatment space in the back of her studio that was for rent. And that's where I thought, oh, maybe I could start doing Reiki outside because I had done a few sessions at home. Um, But I just, as much as I was like practicing and and liking, you know, starting to do my Reiki offering and it was very, very minimal, um, I didn't quite feel right having it in my house. I just felt like I needed to have it outside of my home um, because the Reiki room itself was the room that I'm in right now, (laughs) which is like my wardrobe office um, meditation space. But then I had to do the debriefs in my living room. (laughs) It was just a bit like, I don't know if this is crossing lines. So, so yeah, I would say that that's when I started to kind of really step into my power in terms of offering Reiki. And it was, 
I can't remember. I think I just had one Reiki that was like an hour session with me and it was probably about like $60 or something. And I just put it out there and obviously being in the community of um, the yoga studio, that kind of helped me to spread um, my message a little bit and it grew from there. So yeah, literally it was a, a, a goddess group and then it was a um, one-on-one Reiki session and then it grew from there. So then that goddess group then became what I now call a soulful Sunday. Um, and it was like, you know, a two or three hour workshop uh, with a lot of, you know, meditation and journaling and other practices. Um, and then yeah, that, that honestly was the model for a very long time. And it was just about building up my client base and shifting in my offering in that I've always called it Reiki, but it's always been um, like so much more than that because I also studied holistic counselling. So I really mm-hmm. did, you know, when people were coming in for Reiki, it wasn't that I was like, okay, great, lie on the bed, let's start. It was like there was so much conversation there and unpacking and, um, you know, really talking about where are those blocks and what's holding you back and what is it that is your vision? What can we, you know, help and clear for mm. you to so that you can be that fullest expression of yourself? Mm. Um, and so then, and then that's what I guess led me to last year um, in July or August, I studied NLP and timeline therapy um, because I really wanted to go to that deeper layer. I wanted to not only be able to shift energy, but also really dive deeper into those deeper parts of our mind mm. that are the self-sabotage patterns. So, mm. And so obviously now um, what I offer is um, Reiki, NLP, timeline therapy. Um, I have distance sessions um, and then I have like online products. So it's kind of, it really has grown over over the years. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So some group offerings and some one-on-one yeah. at the moment. Would you say that most of what you do is one-on-one, I imagine? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. It is. Um, you know, with this um, whole, you know, situation that we're in right now with COVID, uh, it has shown me that, you know, a lot of my business um, is is one-on-one. Like I love working one-on-one with people. Um, I still have um, like my circles and I do them probably twice a month now. That was just something that I have learned that is, I can't do a weekly group. It's just, it's a lot of energy for one-on-ones and mm. then holding space for groups. So twice a month, once a month is is the way that I hold my groups now. So beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Uh, something I would love to know around transitioning from one career to another. One thing I love to help my women with is for them to be able to see that they're yes, they're jumping from one thing to another that can be quite distinctly different. What you're doing on the outside appears quite remarkably different, but I'm sure there are some strengths, some skills that you had nurtured over the years as a teacher that you might've even had uh, since you're a really young woman, you know, like very ambitious young woman. Was there some things that you apart from the fact that you were working for someone else and then running a business, that's a whole skill set that you might uh, had to, I guess, evolve as you went through the motions, but certainly other parts of yourself. Yeah. What, could you name any skills or strengths that you took from one to the other, either consciously or you look back now and you go, oh, I was really good at that in teaching. And then uh, I was able to leverage that in my new work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I honestly think, yeah, in the beginning when you're moving from one thing to the next, most people it's because they're unhappy where they are or they've lack, they lack the purpose mm. and so they want to move to the next thing. And I think that there's a part of our minds that almost needs it to be different <laughs> so that we can close one door and yes. open the next. Um, but, yeah, the beauty of hindsight is that, literally everything that I do now is everything I did as a teacher. Mm. Um, I have, obviously I'm teaching, I'm teaching groups, I'm teaching online, I'm, um, you know, mentoring clients, um, I'm holding space for people. I've always been um, like a great connector. Like I've always loved not only, you know, the children in my class were like my own, 
you know, and then their families were an extension of them. Therefore they're just an extension (laughs) of the family that we create. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, even the colleagues that I would work with and mentor in my, um, you know, in my leadership positions as a assistant principal, um, like all of that is still, all of that is still there. I, I, you know, I, I know how to hold space and I know how to make people feel comfortable and at ease. And I think that that is one of the most important things when you're working um, with people that you know how to have that, build that rapport, you know, almost yeah. instantly let them feel, help them feel calm and at ease and, um, and know that they're, they're supported. So I think that that would probably be like the biggest thing. Um, and then I'm just very practically minded. So like you say, um, I'm a Capricorn Virgo, so <laughs> it makes sense. Um, but, you know, in teaching, I guess, you know, you live by um, bell times and everything's like paperwork and, and even like I loved teaching kindergarten, like infants was my, was my jam. Um, and so, but when you're teaching young children and especially where I started in um, Western Sydney, it was 87% non-English speaking background. Wow. So we had children coming to kindergarten. We had kids coming to school who did not speak English. So it was like really breaking it down and bringing it back to basics. Um, and I think that's the strength that I have that I've now brought into what I do now is because, yeah, what I, <laughs> energy and spirituality and um, all this esoteric world, it can be a little hard to digest. Mm. It can be a little bit um, scary or overwhelming. And especially if you're moving through um, a change where, you know, there is anxiety or depression or um, your body is like physically giving you signs, but you know, there's something bigger than the physical. Um, and so I'm able to really break that down, I guess, and make it bite-sized and easy. And if you come for a session with me, I'll always give you homework. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's love that. Homework. Um, <laughs> And it's not, you know, because I myself, I have been to so many healers and had so many beautiful sessions. And I guess I've taken from those experiences and thought, what did I need as support afterwards? Mm. What did I need as some direction? And it's like, you could try this, this and this. Mm. Um, but I want the person when they they go off on their own to be able to know that they can do it. And so, yeah, it's all about making it really bite-sized, small chunks, really accessible, really practical. So that's yeah, thing. yeah. Oh, I love that. And like you say, in hindsight, you realize the skills that were transferable. Uh, sometimes we set ourselves up knowing that we're going to use the skills, but oftentimes there's things that we draw on from different careers or that we build through our different changes in our careers as well. One thing you mentioned there though, is that we're often needing, simply needing a change and we're needing that change in energy, that change in scenery. That's often, you know, that change changes as good as a holiday. Is that what, I think that's how the quote goes. And so some of us, uh, I find when I'm working with women, some some of the women I work with, they're so afraid of the of the change because it feels like they're starting again. And you probably come across a lot of women, maybe men as well in your practice, that are also contemplating some sort of change, relationship, health, uh, family, uh, you know, resolving family issues or uh, change in career. What do you think it actually is? Because we do you think it's a fear of the unknown of, am I going to be good at this new thing? Even though in reality, what you've just shared with us is that we still draw from that, all that stuff, that well of stuff that we're really good at anyway. Yeah. What it is, is it that you encounter in your work that has us really fear that change so much and that process? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, there's. I think there's so much. Mm. I just think there's so much fear um, comes from a place. I think that deeply um, below it all, we all have this fear of not being good enough, mm. um, not being worthy. Uh, it's. I always joke with my husband um, <laughs> when I try and psychoanalyze him, and he's like, "It always comes back to that." And I'm like, "It does actually. It always does because when I don't feel worthy and I don't feel good enough." that brings up the fear, the possible rejection, the possible, um, again, not being able to, 
to do it. And then if I'm not good enough and if I can't do it or if I don't do it perfectly, then people are going to see and I'm going to look silly. And it brings up all of that stuff. Yeah, imposter syndrome. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was talking about that the other night. So I just, I feel as though um, we all have, you know, we all have these limiting beliefs um, and these blocks that, you know, have been there for years. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, generations. Generations, <laughs> lifetimes. Lifetimes, um, yeah. I'm, yeah, you know, and I just think that that is all brought to the surface when we start to shift. And I often say to my clients, like, you've got to feel the rumble in your base. You've got to mm. feel like things are really uncomfortable and almost not falling apart. Although <laughs> I've had that feeling many times over too. Um, it's almost like we need that shift and we need to feel that fear and that pain and that uncertainty to actually break through to that next level. So um, all I would say is we've just got to do the mindset work. We've got to recognize the fear and go, you know what? I'm always going to be fearful of something. Mm. I'm going to move through it anyway. So. Yes. I was having a conversation with someone that's going to be on the podcast in a few weeks. And I was saying something similar to her that really you're always uncomfortable, yes. but it's just a new level of discomfort that you're stepping into. Yeah. The first thing might be recording your first video, then it's doing a podcast and then speaking on a stage and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So the discomfort nearly really never goes away, does it? It's just the, the goalposts change. I suppose. Yeah. 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 It's like that quote that I talked, um, that I told you before we jumped on, you know, Mm. um, I had to make you uncomfortable or else you wouldn't have moved. Yes. We, We need that. It's, it's like a driving force. And I think that, um, if there's anyone who's thinking about taking, the leap and starting something new and it's scary just embrace it and just think well I'm fearful and it's scary because I'm it means so much to me like clearly this means something to me I feel connected to it and so um yeah just continue to do that self-work and just tell yourself every day like I'm enough I've got Mm. this Mm. Um, I have affirmations all around my house that just continually remind me I've got this I've got this yeah, and you're you doing it otherwise. <laughs> exactly. And you only need to take one step every day. That's yeah. the thing I think we forget. Uh, and I come back to this notion of being someone that likes to set big goals, but we often think that we have to go from A to Z in a really short space of time. And we forget to use the analogy of being an athlete and that they train for years to get to things like the Olympics and to, I guess, take the pressure off. And Mm. like you say, every day showing up for yourself and saying, I'm enough. I can meet these, these tiny little challenges every day. And some days it'll be easy. Some days it'll be hard, but the fact that you, you show up, you show up for your business, you show up for this new uh, path that you're on. And I guess with that, a question I would love to know from you is what's been the most amazing thing about working for yourself and starting to create a path that's felt really, truly like you, even though I'm sure in the beginning, as you started to make this change, did you know exactly how it was going to end up? (laughs) No, No. (laughs) we never do really, do we? (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah, no, I couldn't, um, I couldn't have predicted it would look like this. It's funny. Um, when I got my, so I, I used different treatment rooms along, um, my time just kind of moved from one thing to the next each like time I needed to upgrade. Mm. Um, and you know, the space would become more mine, the rent would go up. So, you know, obviously like in a physical sense and an energetic sense, I was kind of growing. Mm. So then last year I actually opened my own studio here in Newcastle. And that was like a really, really big moment because that is one thing that years ago I drew a picture And I did say, I'm going to have my own wellness studio. And if you look at the drawing and then if you look at the studio, they're exactly the same. (laughs) And, um, and, you know, people have often joked to me, did you only look at places that were on the corner? I'm like, no, I didn't. (laughs) Because it's on a little corner um, of of the street. And, um, but yeah, I think that some things you can have the vision for, but you need to almost have the vision and then completely let it go. 
Mm. So it's not like every, after I drew that picture, I was like, the studio has to look like this. Mm. And I looked at it every day. I literally had to dig up the picture um, because I knew I'd drawn it, but I just couldn't remember where I put it um, to then see the, the likelihood, like how, how similar it was. Um, so I think that we have to have the vision and then let it go mm. and trust that however it looks, if it turns out to be exact, if it turns out to be a little different or even way different, that it's, that's just how it was meant to, to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's uh, a quote floating around that's something like being really firm on the goal, but loose on the plan. Yes. Yes. Something, yes. something like that. And, and yeah. that always comes to mind, especially for me, because I can be a quite wanting to control the outcome, wanting mm. to make sure it goes step by step, exactly <laughs> yes. how I've planned out the marketing, it's going to work mm. in exactly that way. And I think something like what's gone on for us at the moment, uh, as we're recording this, it's, we're in the midst of probably four to six weeks into uh, a closed down, lockdown, whatever word you want to use, period, a shutdown period where majority of businesses aren't operating in the same way. And so, so many of us have had to readjust and be a little bit more flexible and change the goalposts a little bit, yeah. maybe push them out, but maybe bring them forward. But it simply looks different to what you thought it would for now. Yeah. And interestingly, sometimes when you do that, it's a different kind of energy that you put into it. Right. And you're a little bit more relaxed about it. And I imagine that for a lot of people, there's going to be some really great outcomes for them in terms of things that they're doing in their businesses that they never thought would be successful. Oh, and I think that, you know, business is, is a, um, is a really fast track to self-development, <laughs> you know? And so I think that how can you, yeah, you can have this vision and this idea um, of what you want, um, that you want to create, that you want to build, um, but you don't know who is going to cross your path and you don't know the learnings that you're going to get. You can't predict that, oh, in, in July, I'm going to learn about this block. And then in, <laughs> you know, in September, I'm going to really break down this old limiting belief. And you know, it's like, I, you can't plan the healing. And so you have to just move with it and then trust that, you know, at each time I've up-leveled, each time I've pushed through something, it's created and opened up something that I could never have seen, you know, because we don't live we don't live in a, well, we live in a, in a universe of abundant opportunity and possibility. And yet sometimes we live our life with those blinkers on mm. so when we kind of can release that and just be open. Um, yeah, definitely have a goal, definitely have a vision. There's such power in having a vision. Um, so many things that I've like thought and dreamed and seen and drawn and put on a vision board have come to fruition. Um, but not because they were stuck on that board and <laughs> not because I drew the picture once because I took the actions along the way and pivoted and shifted and adapted um, to, to hold that bigger vision in my mind, knowing that some version of it would, would be. And that is so, so key. And I, I, I was, if I had that uh, emoji and people could see it, it would be like the hallelujah <laughs> right now, because yes, woman, you are speaking my language. We, we need to create a very, very clear, potent, rich vision, but at the same time, we need to take that action. And uh, that's exactly what I believe, and this you may have a different interpretation on manifesting, but manifesting can be this very lofty concept, and uh, I think that that it's the pairing of of the potent vision with the action plan, isn't it? Really, is what absolutely brings things to life. Yeah. Okay, so assume a lot of the work that you do is very powerful in person because it's energy work, but I also know that you've been doing some some of it distance as well. And I've experienced distance Reiki as well. And uh, I think that's the the beautiful thing about energy is that it's not actually 
I don't know if you, you know, you've seen those studies where uh, people can be meditating across mm. different parts of the world and they can actually, they've shown how the energy all connects and yeah. uh, things like that. So it's quite, it's quite crazy and quite mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that, that you can actually take your work online. You're not constrained by simply being with the person, although being in person for those experiences is really lovely as well. And so knowing that, I've noticed that you've also created a few digital assets for your business and decided to uh, create some things that are more evergreen and more uh, giving you, I guess, the possibility of creating some reoccurring revenue without you having to be in that room with that person. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about uh, that process. And was that something that you consciously decided? Was it something that excited you and you thought, oh, here's a new opportunity? Yeah. What, how did you decide to bring that, that into your business? Yeah. Um, I think that I have always wanted um, to have like a, a bigger presence so that I can help more people so that I can, mm. you know, reach out and support more people. Um, and I think that, you know, if we think of say an Instagram post or a Facebook post as a small way of connecting to people beyond you, so not needing to be in the same room, but you can share a quote or something that happened to you today and somebody read that and it really resonate with them and that's helped them and that might help them in making a decision or just feeling a little better and so I think that when I started to see that um, you know in either something as small as one of my posts or in my in-person sessions or even in the group um, the groups that I was starting to run I thought so many of the same things are said like everyone comes to a goddess group and is like a little bit nervous because it's a women's circle and I don't really like talking in front of people and what if I don't say the right thing and then one person talks and then everyone goes oh my gosh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we just realize that everyone's experiencing the same thing so I thought well if I'm experiencing it one other person is experiencing it 10 other people are experiencing it, then chances are hundreds and thousands of people are experiencing this. So how can I get this out? And I guess that was always my like vision mm. um, to, to grow the happy co to be, you know, to really embody the co, which is community. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I built, I obviously started that one to one in person. Um, but then I, I thought, you know what, maybe I could, um, you know, I love a chat. You can probably tell. <laughs> I don't follow scripts, which drives my husband, who is my um, photographer and videographer, <laughs> um, mad because he's like, you can just go off on a tangent. Um, but I just feel as though I can record videos and I can share content that way. And I thought, well, why not package it into a course? Mm. So that, you know, so many of my clients would come or people would write to me and say, I don't know how to move this energy or I don't know what's journaling or how do I meditate? And I'm like, well, I could say this over and over and over again. Um, and I was literally every session I was saying the same thing or I could just record it and put it out there. And so that kind of, you know, I think I tested the waters going online. Gosh, I think it was last year and I did uh, like a group coaching kind of package first. So it was like four sessions and we would jump on a group call and I would guide people through meditation and journaling processes and kind of talk about some mindset and energy stuff. And then I thought, well, if I can do that live, then I could actually record that and then put it as something that people could buy at any time. Um, and that's kind of how it all began. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm in the, I re-released, sorry, I released another course, um, I think September, October last year, 3510 Zen, which is all my like favorite practices. It's like spiritual self-care. So it's practical, mm -hmm. but like got that twist. And now I've even had more downloads in the last couple of weeks about how I can um, add to that, re, like redefine it and really, you know, really bulk it up and make it turn it into something else. So I'm constantly like, I'll put something out and then I'll be like, how can I add to that? How can I, yeah. how can I you know, and last night I launched a um, kids meditation and mindfulness course. That's something that just was really coming through for me and just, you know, filmed it and my husband edited it. We've got it up and um, 
this morning we made our first sale. So we did Woo! a happy dance to Justin <laughs> yeah. Bieber. Um, but it's like, I don't know, I just feel as though for me, I'm embracing my creativity mm. um, and like all of these harebrained ideas. Like I've had ideas my entire life <laughs> and I just thought I was really scattered. Um, but really, I just, I don't know. You don't have to obviously implement every idea. Um, but I feel as though moving online, it allows you to, to experiment mm. and be able to try things and not everything works and it doesn't have to because you just learn and you grow and you get better and you fine tune things and yeah, but it just helps. It, I feel as though it helps me reach a wider like audience as well. And, you know, we're in the business of helping people and we want as many people to get what we have um, and we want to connect with as many people as possible. But I, I feel that, yes, know, that really fills my cup. Um, and so, yeah. So if I can share all the ways, be that in person or digitally online, then that, that really fuels me. Yeah. I love that. And something that, that the women at home can take from that is Karen put it out there often the first iteration, excuse me, was a very simple uh, offering. It didn't mean that she had to create the $2,000 program right from the get-go because sometimes you have a really great idea, but there can be a, a little bit of shaping and molding that idea through the feedback of putting out in front of people before you go, oh, this is really how people want it delivered. This is what they want to know. And through that feedback, you can add other things into it. And like you said, as, as you go, you can start to evolve the product. It's simply getting out there in the first place yes. and having a go and putting something up, making it low risk for yourself. doesn't yeah. have to have a huge uh, price ticket on it, but I would still make it worth your while, make it worth your time. Uh, but in the long run, you, you're building an asset really, aren't you? And you're oh. developing that asset for your business. So, And, and I think that, um, like, obviously I was just talking a lot about um, live coaching calls is where I started online and then, um, then moving to, say, like videos and video content, like online courses. Um, I'm in a privileged position in that my husband is a photographer and a videographer. Mm. So um, we have all the equipment. And then I'm naturally that's kind of like I, I enjoy that, you know. Um, it feels, I mean, it's always, you know, watching yourself on film is uncomfortable, but it's not uncomfortable at the time. In the moment, I feel like I can channel and just um, share. But it doesn't have to be video. It could be an ebook or a download or, um, you know, I've, I've not sold like my guided meditations before, but I'm certain that people do. So I think that, um, there are maybe, I feel as though maybe my online offerings I've jumped from in person to like this, like it, it seems like a lot, like a lot of people do write to me and say, Oh, how did you create that course? It feels so like big and overwhelming. And, um, that it just felt natural to me. So, but if it doesn't feel natural to you, I think that it's another thing that we learn in business because people are doing it. doesn't mean that we have to follow that. If it doesn't feel in alignment to you, if it doesn't come naturally and easily to you, then do the thing that you might be a, um, a writer or you might, you know, love to, I don't know how you want to share, but you just decide how it works for you and then just lean into that and then trust that it will grow and evolve. In terms of your business, you've got a few different ways. A podcast is one way of building awareness. You have Instagram, website, you hold your, uh, you know, any sort of group session can be a nice introduction into then moving into working with you one-on-one -on -one or vice versa. They probably come both directions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What have you found in terms of getting your one-on-one -on -one clients, that being the, the basis of your uh, revenue, I, I assume, is it? Yeah, is one-on-one -on -one still the, the main yeah. thing? Yeah. Uh, what's been the most effective way for you to build that client base? Oh, most effective way. Um, what you've seen the best return from, I guess, is another way of putting that question. Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly been so organic. Okay. Um, 
probably maybe people might say like funnels and Facebook ads and things like that. But, um, and I have definitely used, uh, Facebook ads at the more at the beginning of my, um, business just to kind of start to bring awareness to my brand, but it literally was just showing up. Yeah. Every day posting, sharing, um, I have a newsletter that I used to be a lot more consistent on. Um, and then I don't know, you just get so busy and you have so many things going on and you know, you're spinning lots of plates and you drop something and you just kind of go, you know what, I'm human. It's okay. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I would share a newsletter every week or every fortnight. Um, I would, on Instagram and Facebook and and share and I literally just it really it really was that um obviously yeah you can use things like Facebook ads and um I'll probably explore things like funnels for my courses and um things like that down the track um but yeah there's there's power in in organic growth so mm. I hope that that's a- <laughs> no, that's perfect. I think the essence of what you're saying there, Karen, is that you were showing up for people in one medium or another very regularly. You might not have been consistent with the one thing, but you were always there. And, mm. and a lot of the times we follow people on multiple mediums anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you were always there for them. Do you think there's something that you try to bring across in your messaging as well that uh, resonates with people? Is there an approach that you have with that that you feel like is very true to how you want to approach marketing? Yeah, I think that um, I'm just me. Like Mm. there is no it's probably not a great boundary. (laughs) We always learn boundaries. Um, but in terms of like my business is me and I am my business, like there is no boundary there. So, um, if you jump on a call with me, if you meet me in a group, if you have one-on-one with me, if you text me on Instagram, it's the same interaction. Like I'm literally, I'm not putting anything on. This is just me yeah. um, and people will either love that or, or not. And that's okay. Cause I'm not going to be for everybody. Um, but I think just being like authentic. Um, and I've also been quite vulnerable, I guess. Um, not in a way that um, like brings people down, but in terms of like, this is what I've experienced and this is how I got myself out of it. And mm-hmm. I think that when you can share your struggles and your pain um, and be open and honest about it, but then also show people that there is a way out of that, um, then I think that people connect with that as well. So yes. Authenticity yes. and vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And in the in your line of work as well is that if you're helping people to guide that transformation for them, then it helps if you're showing that you're also doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like being yeah. a coach and then coaching all this stuff, but then on the um on the inside, you know, we've all got we've all got stuff that we're working through, but I think it helps your work if you're evolving as a person, doesn't it? And and if you're honestly sharing that and showing up and saying, hey, I'm a human as well and mm. I go through ups and downs. Uh it also makes people feel safe with you when mm. they come to you for, for the work that you do. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Final question. I want to know because you have a dream board, vision board and the, yes. the background there. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell me what's on your vision board for 2020. What are you excited about? Uh, not necessarily even, post coronavirus because we don't really know when this might end fully uh but is there anything that you're looking forward to either way anything you've got coming down the pipeline personal or or business yeah um I don't know if I could probably put it down to 2020 like my vision board that you can see um, yeah that's been my vision board for a few years it actually needs updating it keeps falling down and I'm like that's the universe telling me it's time to update it um but what I have on my vision board is a lot of pictures of me connecting with women which Mm. um 
I will continue. I just need to update um, those images, but it's still going to stay on my vision board. Like I want to be connected um, to community. Um, a material thing on my vision board is I really want an iMac. <laughs> now that I'm doing so much more um, work on my computer, I don't want to keep using a laptop. So that's like a material thing. Yeah. Um, I have like beach scenes, um, palm trees, because um, a dream of my husband and I is to live in Bali for um, like a portion of the year. So it would be lovely to to move towards something like that where maybe we were there for a couple of months a year. Mm. Um, and so that's on my vision board and will always be on my vision board. Um, and then like a stretch goal is I've got uh, Machu Picchu on my vision board because I have a, um, a phobia of spiders that I have been working on um, for many years and it's definitely like, really really so much better now I'm still just not yet ready I think to um to encounter a tarantula on the trail uh. <laughs> but I put that there to remind myself that that's what I'm working towards and that that phobia is um something that I have gotten so much better with now um that it, it also serves as a reminder that you can always work on your fears and you can always be, you know, releasing more. So that is something there. And then I know I mentioned before that I don't necessarily like to um, write and that I talk, um, but talk more or, or video more, but I actually do really have a book in me as well. Um, and so I have a stack of um, like pictures of Hay House books <laughs> on my vision board too. So yeah. I have Amazing. a whole, whole bunch of things there. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's that's a big life that you're that you're living and going to be living. Um, should all those things happen, I know they yeah. will. <laughs> Where can we find you, Karen, if we want to come and hang out with you and we don't know uh, too much about your work or maybe we're not based in Newcastle and have the pleasure of connecting with you in person? How can we hang out with you? Um, you can hang out with me on Instagram. I'm uh, at the happy underscore co and I'm on Facebook, the happy co au. Um, I, my website is www.thehappyco.com.au and um, yeah, my podcast is on the iTunes podcast app. And it's the Happy Co podcast. So yeah, if you search the Happy Co, I'm certain you're going to find me. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much, Karen, for this interview, this conversation, for sharing some really honest and open answers that I know are really, really going to benefit a lot of the women in this audience. Uh, and yes, all the best with all your, your goals and your visions and your <laughs> dreams. Thank and you. I know that we will definitely keep crossing paths uh, because you have such a, a beautiful energy. It's, it's funny when I first saw you across the video a few weeks ago in one of our dreamers circles, I was like, oh, this woman is so made for this work just Aww, because you. of, and I mean, I wouldn't, I don't do energy work, but I definitely can feel someone's presence pretty strongly. And I, I very much get that from you. So if you ever get uh, to be with Karen in person or connect with her over a video because uh, she's doing some distance work, then you'll, you'll really feel that if you need that presence in your life, she's, she's your woman. Aww, thank you, Ruby. That's so kind You're of welcome. you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, it's been lots of fun chatting to you today. <laughs> yes.